Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service from March 20th, 2022. Thank you and God bless. Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made, a witness, made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will, not, you will summon nations you, will, you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beautiful weather of this, this first day of spring. Uh, we ask that you give us a good day today. Uh, help us to open our hearts and minds to the word. We ask that you uh, be with us all throughout this week. Uh, and that we are able to spread your love. We ask that you be with those who are in need uh, all around the world. And we think continually of those in Ukraine, and we ask that you continue to bless them. We ask that you go this all. In Jesus' name, amen. Four hundred eighty-eight. Four eight eight. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. Praise Him, all ye people. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us. Praise to the Lord who 
we were singing a while back. <laughs> pre, pre uh, what is it? BC, BC before COVID? <laughs> Number 43. Dawn and sunset, fierce and joyful, each reflects his mighty ways.
It's good to see everybody today. No matter what you have done, no matter what has been done to you, you are welcome here. And you are loved, and we are glad that you're here. And this is a good church family to be a part of. I see some of our college students are back on break. It's good to see you. And I see a bunch of high school seniors. We have several high school seniors this year. I know you are coming up on making big decisions about your future. I was thinking about that just a second ago, and we are praying for you. And how good it is to be singing inside uh, and to have the scriptures and the prayers and the message interspersed with song. It connects to us in a way that the other things don't. It connects to our emotions and our spirit. And, uh, and Larry, you still got it. You know, we wondered. There was talk. But uh, he's, he's still got it. So it's good. It's good to be back. If you grab a bulletin, we'll read from Luke 13 in just a second. You probably heard this expression before and philosophical or political conversations, you might hear someone say, I used to believe that, and then I was mugged by reality. And I, I don't always necessarily agree with kind of the nuance of what they're saying, but I love that expression. I find it a very arresting expression. I, boy, I, I once believed this, and then reality just mugged me, and it changed so much. This morning's scripture is very much Jesus mugging us with a reality that we don't often want to consider. You know, every year on Ash Wednesday, millions of Christians around the world gather to hear the words of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. Remember that you are dust. To dust you will return. It's a somber reminder. Some might even call it depressing. But it's true, it's reality. And there's a clarity that comes with facing reality. I often think back to the early days of the pandemic. And we've been commemorating like the two-year anniversary of this. Probably a lot of you are thinking, I remember two years ago when this has happened. And this is where I was when they canceled this. And then when this happened. And I remember texting with a friend around that time. And he said, what turned out to be very prophetically, he said, there's a lot of people who are going to have to consider their mortality for the very first time. And we did. We all did. More than we ever wanted to. And we're so tired of considering it. As about a million in this country died, perhaps six million around the world, we've all faced mortality more than we ever wanted. And more than just COVID, the violent images that we continue to see on our news feeds. We're ready to be done with that. And yet the lectionary rings keep calling us to think about these things because the good news of Jesus Christ does not seem like good news unless we first face the bad news of our human predicament. And humanity faces two interrelated problems, sin and death. We're not the people we need to be. Randy spoke to that last week, and I appreciate him preaching for me last week. But we are not the people we are called to be both individually and communally. Our selfishness has plunged our world into chaos. And we're mortal. We don't live forever. Contrary to popular belief, the Bible does not teach that humans have immortal souls. The Bible teaches that humans are mortal and only experience immortality through a connection with the immortal being. Life is only found Jesus. And this is eternal life, the life that we were intended to live, quantity and quality. And the good news of the gospel makes no sense without considering the bad news. So in this season, we contemplate the bad news so that we'll someday understand the good news. So if you would stand with me with a reading from Luke chapter 13. And my introduction was basically, I didn't choose the scripture so don't blame me. Luke 13, 1-9. Feel free to join with me in the bold section if you'd like. Now there was some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too all will perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. 
But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then he told this parable together. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Thank you. This is God's word. You may be seated. I want to say something really quickly up front. Because Jesus' reaction in this passage seems so harsh and so insensitive to our ears. Now, I remind us that it is not the totality of Jesus' response to suffering. We have so many stories, the majority of stories in the Gospels, that show us an empathetic, compassionate Jesus. But here we have a straight shooter, tell it like it is in the face of suffering Jesus. And I still believe Jesus does this out of compassion. So let's, let's unpack what's going on. So he uses this very mysterious phrase, uh, the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And you're like, what is going on with that? Around this time, some Galileans from the north had come down to Jerusalem for the Passover week. What we think was happening is that they had planned some type of protest against the Romans. We think most likely a nonviolent protest because it seems when this went down, they were unarmed. Okay? They had planned some type of protest against the Romans. And Pilate, this is later the Pilate around the time of Jesus' crucifixion, but Pilate gets a heads up about what's going to happen and alerts all the guards. And so while they are making their sacrifices at the temple, Pilate sends his henchmen in, and they come up from behind them, and they slaughter these Galileans while they are in the very act of making sacrifices, so a blood sacrifice. And so their own blood, as they're being slaughtered, gets mixed in with the blood of their sacrifice. They were brutally murdered in the act of worship. And this terrorized the Jewish people in two ways. First, there's continuing grief at the brutality of the Roman Empire. But secondly, they wondered why God had not protected them. This is like getting struck by lightning in worship while you're taking communion. It's like, shouldn't that be the one time God protected me? Like, should they associate the Jerusalem temple with their one true safe space? And yet it had been terrorized in this way. So it was a great question, where is God in the, midst, in the midst of great suffering? And they wondered, as they sought to explain this, maybe these Galileans had done something to deserve this. So when they asked Jesus about it, Jesus' response, which seems like an odd question to us, do you think the murdered Galileans were worse sinners than you? And some of us may be thinking that would have never crossed my mind who was a greater sinner in there. So Jesus seems to be hinting at something going on in their way of thinking. But he says, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Jesus doesn't believe the tragedy had anything to do with who had sinned more or less. But then he calls them to repentance, for they too will die. And then on top of that, he doubles down on the example of tragedy by invoking the recent memory of the Tower of Siloam's collapse. You remember the Pool of Siloam and other stories in Scripture. So this was a well-known Tower of Siloam. And it was a landmark in Jerusalem. Everybody would have known about it. And then one day, 18 people are on their way to school, on their way to work, minding their own business as they're walking by. Suddenly the tower just crumbles. And just out of nowhere, 18 people die. And it was the thing that everybody talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's the idea of senseless tragedy. Why do these things happen? What's going on? And Jesus once again says, they, they didn't do anything to deserve that. And it wasn't because they were sinners that this happened. So Jesus 
is deconstructing a familiar belief in this time period that I will say rears its head every now and then even now, but familiar belief back then, and that was this. Very simplistic way of thinking. Bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. And that was their worldview. Bad things don't happen to good people, and good things don't happen to bad people. So anytime you see something that seems to violate your sense, you say, well, they must not be a good person. Think back to the story of Job, right? When Job is experiencing all this tragedy, his friend's reaction is to go to him and say, okay, Job, tell us what your sin is. And probably none of us would think about going to a sick friend and saying, hey, what sin do you have in your life, right? But yet that was their way of thinking. We also see in a familiar story, John chapter 9, when there was a blind man. And they come up to Jesus and they say, why is he blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? So once again, they have this very simplistic notion. Bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. And yet, in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, sometimes bad things just happen. Sometimes bad things just happen. And that was terrifying to them. Because if they couldn't find a simplistic answer to why bad things happen, then that means that life seemed very chaotic and very unpredictable. Moreover, why does God allow human suffering? Does God's protection seem scattered in some way? And does God's allowance of suffering even make God culpable or complicit in the suffering? You can see how quickly this spirals, right? And we've all been there. Why does suffering happen? Why does God allow suffering? That's a good conversation to have, a good thing to probe, but Jesus really doesn't go there in this passage. But what he says is, when we experience suffering, one of our responses needs to be a call to repentance. I hear this message this way. When you see tragedy, there are multiple responses. Prayer, grief, compassion, solidarity, helping the person that's experiencing suffering. And we see Jesus do all of these at different times and in different ways and different stories. But another response should be this. Reflect on your mortality and repent. Because you're going to die too. You're going to face God on the day of judgment. And based on that judgment, you will either live or you will die. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And those are the two options. So when you know someone who dies from cancer or COVID, when you sadly see school shootings or the war in Ukraine on the news, when you hear someone who's died in a car accident or some other type of senseless tragedy, respond with compassion and grief and solidarity and attempts to help. But also remember this. From dust you came, into dust you will return. Allow the suffering of this life to remind you of reality. Now, let me pause for a second. This seems very dark, and it's not the type of thing we think about. And yet, sometimes the most compassionate thing is to tell the truth. Now, I want you to recall a time in your life, probably when you were a child, when you knew something was going on in adult world, but the adults wouldn't tell you what was going on. You absorbed the anxiety of adult world, but the adults did not shoot you straight and tell you what was really going on. And it seemed so uncompassionate. Just tell me, you know, I'm 10, I'm 12, I'm 14, I'm 16, whatever. Like, tell me what's going on. I can handle it. But it's a sense of, no, you're just a child. You can't handle it. So we're going to act anxious. You're going to absorb the anxiety, but we're never going to tell you what's going to Do you remember that happening when you were a child at some point? The most compassionate thing Jesus believes we can do is to tell each other the truth. And the truth is, we are mortal. And we must come to terms with that. As C.S. Lewis says in his book, The Problem of Pain, God whispers in our pleasures, 
speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. Is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And friends, after all we've been through the last few years, we are wide awake, right? Because we've seen so much suffering. So the question is, are we prepared to meet God? Jesus follows us up with a parable. He tells this parable, the man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, I've been coming to this tree three years. Never got any figs. What's the point? Like, isn't the point of a fig tree to get figs? Some of you are gardeners and growing stuff. Like, isn't the point of a tomato bush? It's tomatoes. Like, that's the point. You're not doing it just for fun. You're doing it to get tomatoes or whatever it is you're growing. So he says, let's just cut it down. But the, the person working the garden said, let's leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it or fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then we'll cut it down. Jesus often uses agricultural metaphors in his stories. And much of this harkens back to the Isaiah prophecies and the idea of the vineyard in the book of Isaiah. The purpose of God's work in humanity is to make us like God. And fruit is always used in the Bible morally and ethically. We're called to bear fruit, moral fruit, and to be like God, to be people of love and faith peace and justice and holiness. This is what God wants. Did not John the Baptist come and say, bear fruit in keeping with repentance as he was preparing the way for Jesus? So in the story of the fig tree, God the Father owns the garden and says, I'm tired of coming back to these obstinate people year after year. And Randy talked about this last week, the, the lineage of the prophets, the end of Luke 13. I'm tired of coming back year after year and there's gross injustice. There's gross immorality. They never seem to get it right. I've called them as my people, but they're continually wicked and wicked and wicked, and it never changes. I'm tired. I'm just going to cut the tree down and start over. But the person tending the garden, in this case, it seems in the illustration, it's, it's Jesus. It's God the Son who says, let's give, it, let's give it one more year. And this will come back again, the fig tree later on in the Gospel of Luke. But it seems at this point in Luke 13, Jesus is saying, let's give him one more year. We'll fertilize it. We'll dig. We'll see what happens. How much more time do you think that you have? How much more time? How much more time do you think the church has to get it right? How much more time do you think our society has to get it right? If you were God and you created this world, only to see the mess that we have made of it, how much more time would you give? It seems harsh to say it, but honestly, it seems harsher not to say it, not to face the truth of this. From dust we came, and to dust we will return. When I see news, I feel all kinds of things. But here's the thing. We've been talking a lot about Ukraine. Ukraine didn't do anything wrong. And we're not a better society than Ukraine that they deserve this and we don't in America or something like that. When we see tragedy around us, senseless tragedy, we should have lots of responses, but one of those should be, the same thing could happen to me. And I need to be prepared. To quote the famous poem from John Donne, no man is an island entire of itself. Each is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thine own or of thine friends were. Each man's death diminishes me, for I am involved in mankind. Therefore, send not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Every death we ever see is a tragedy, an absolute tragedy. But it reminds us that death is coming for us. Are we ready? The good news is, of course, that Jesus has conquered death. 
The good news is, of course, that Jesus has died for your sins. The good news is, of course, that as we're talking about our retreat in two weeks, we have overflowing hope because of what Jesus has done. The good news is, of course, that grace covers your death. The good news is, of course, that the Holy Spirit is in you to bring the moral fruit that God wants to be the type of person you will always crave to be. You have the Holy Spirit. That is the good news. But none of it makes any sense unless we understand the bad news. The gospel does not make sense unless we are mugged by the reality of this world. And this is the reality. We are mortal, and our only hope is in Jesus Christ. May we be prepared to meet God. Let us stand and sing. Burden to Calvary. 
saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. There's a lot to unpack here that, uh, in this passage. We see many times in the story of Jesus that he, he has a knack for saying things that shock people. And... Um, <clears throat> This is another thing that is kind of shocking, right? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Uh, in fact, because of teachings like this, many early Christians were accused of, of being cannibals because they, Jesus tells them to eat him, right? It's a strange thing. It's really shocking when you think about it, someone telling you to eat their flesh and drink their blood. Excuse me. John even goes on to say that some of Jesus' followers actually stopped following him because of this teaching. But when uh, we look at the other four Gospels together, we look at all the Gospels together, this passage is, is quite interesting. It's really remarkable. Uh, because John doesn't actually include a story about the Last Supper. He includes this teaching uh, where, where Jesus talks about eating his, his body as the bread of life. <coughs> Excuse me. This bread and this juice that we're about to share here today, they're powerful symbols. This table does, as Jesus said at the Last Supper, serve as a memorial for the sacrifice that was made at the cross. But John here in this gospel tells us that these symbols, this bread and this wine, they represent more than just a sacrifice. The bread and the wine are signs of life. They demonstrate to us, that, and they demonstrate also to the world, that we live a life in Christ, and that Christ lives inside of us. The bread and the wine sustain our physical bodies, but at the same time, simultaneously, Christ's body and Christ's blood feed our spirits. So, as we share this table, I'd like us to meditate on that. We'll pray over the bread. Dear God, we come before you this morning and we confess humbly that we don't understand everything about the way the world works. 
We don't even understand everything about the way this table works necessarily. We don't understand exactly how the body of Christ operates. But we know and we have faith in the teachings of Jesus. And we know that this bread binds us together in a body, in a church. And as we take this bread, we remember both the sacrifice that Jesus made, where his body was broken on the cross, and we also remember that this, this bread gives us life and it sustains our spirit. So we pray that you remind us of that as we take it, and we do it humbly. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Lord, uh, as we partake of this cup, uh, let us remember the blood that flows through our veins is the same as the blood that flows through the veins of Christ. Christ gives us life. His teachings give us life. And uh, we know that the blood of Christ washes away our sins. It's the greatest sacrifice in the history of the world. And it also gives us life as we live as a church. And so, while we take this blood, let us remember that we share together in this life-giving force. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.
531. Five three one. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him. Praise him, angels in the high sun and moon rejoice before him. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Hallelujah, Amen. Amen.
morning, church. Good morning. Um, wow, that was just a really uplifting message. Thank you, JP, for that really <laughs> good, encouraging, uh, um, very wise. Um, excited to be here with you all this morning. Um, excited to see a lot of faces. It feels good to like look out and see the faces. JP mentioned the singing. Oh my gosh, it sounded new. It's like wow, it's music. It's like something I've never heard before. Um, it was beautiful. So thanks for being a part of that. Um, it obviously we're doing mass op- mass optional now. Um, 8 a.m. is still mass required, so I'm sure you all know that. But uh, birthdays this week, March 24th, Van Christian turning two. So that's a big number. I, I know there's a there's another T word that goes in front of that sometimes. Hopefully that's not the case. But um, well, you know, the, it's funny. March birthdays actually, it's my younger brother and my stepdad's birthday on the 26th too. So there, there's a bunch of March birthdays going on. Um, news and notes: My roots are officially grandparents. Congratulations! I know Winry Nora uh, arrived on March 15th. Ah. Um, we've got uh, Abigail's birthday is March 15th. My mom's birthday is March 15th. Ah, it's, great. it's a great day. Uh, seven pounds, four, ounce, four ounces, 19 half inches. And it's quite cute. That's so many. Those are so many. They do so many measurements. All are, all are healthy and doing well. Great. Basketball is done. Uh, we were unable to defend our championship title, mostly because we were all out of town for the last, <laughs> the last three weeks under the fellow. But it was a lot of fun. Guys, play basketball, play softball. It's, it's too much fun. I had too much fun this year playing basketball. So, um, as Paul, Paul does that, he organizes it all. So talk to him about softball options. Um, there's a newly remodeled area in the back, the cry room. We can thank Clay Jones. It looks really nice. Go check it out. Uh, just if you can just breathe it in, you'd be like, wow, this is where kids go to suffer. It's great. No, it's, it's, it's wonderful. No, it's, it's totally fine. Um, we are meeting with Randy and Robbie this Wednesday, 5.30 to 7. Uh, be, it'll be a brown bag, so bring your food, and then we'll have uh, kind of from like a, there's a youth event that's happening from 6.30 to 8 at Riverwood. Um, and then Paul and Jake will be providing transportation at 545, leading from Randy and Robbie. So any team that wants to go to that, do it. Uh, spring retreat, it's going to be the Cedars 11. Um, they're going to let me speak there. I don't know, guys. It's a bad, bad idea, but uh, yeah, so come. I, I know that the uh, youth group usually stays the night on Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday night, yes. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, there will be a Quidditch tournament. I don't even know how you play Quidditch in real life, so um, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, there's, there'll be the famous talent show, so I'm, I've seen some really great things. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is Cassette playing Blackbird, so that was, I still think of that, I really enjoyed that. Um, Bob Hoskins designs really cool t-shirts, there's ten, it's $10 for the whole thing, the whole shebang is $10 per person. Or just for the t-shirt? The whole thing. The whole thing. I'm surprised too. You get a t-shirt and you get to go to a great event for just $10. Wow. Um, payment can be given to False Vibe or Venmo Acklin Avenue. And Egg Hunts, April 10th, all kids fourth grade and under. Man, that's kind of, I mean, that's limiting. No, it's okay. I'll be all right. Candy filled for Christfield eggs anytime. Between now and the hunt, we'll uh, have a drop up bit in the foyer. Any other announcements? Of course, yes, I see a hand, but I don't. I can't tell. Is that Bonnie? It's Bonnie. Sorry. That's okay. I'm not sure if this was announced earlier or not, but last Sunday, Colleen Geiger was baptized by Red um, in in I can't remember the name. Oh, Bowling Green. Um, so. Wow. Praise, praise God. That's that's exciting. Um, any other thoughts before? Yeah, express. Charleston's fifth birthday. Charleston, fifth birthday. Woo! Yeah, that's exciting. Happy birthday. Wow, happy birthday. Um, okay, great. I don't know. We have coffee, I know. Do we have donuts too now? We have donuts too. Great. Enjoy them. Slowly. No running. Yay.
You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.